Hello, and welcome to the Bankers podcast series, Banking Under Pressure, interviewing industry experts from around the world to gather insights and advice on best practices and innovations that can help banks and their customers manage during the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm Joy McKnight, Managing Editor of The Banker, and my guest this week is Ronan O'Kelly, partner in Oliver Wyman's Corporate and Institutional Banking Practice. Ronan, thanks for joining me. Hello, Joy. So you recently co-authored a paper entitled Five Actions for Corporate Banks in Response to COVID-19. We can dive into the suggestions made in that paper, but first, can you tell me a little bit about how the crisis is really dramatically impacting the cash flows of many corporates and SMEs and what impact that's had on the banks? Yeah, so I think it's clear to see uh, around the world that the impact on people's lives and the real economy is is acute at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, cash flows of corporates and SMEs, you know, have already been materially impacted as in many sectors, cash flow has, has largely or partially dried up um, as lockdown has simultaneously affected both demand and supply, which makes it quite a unique uh, crisis for, for many sectors. Um, our latest modeling on, on this shows that um, across uh, developed economies, um, non-financial corporates uh, in the base case, at least, will, would suffer a 35% decline in revenues mm. during the lockdown period. Um, and when we look at the spread across sectors, up to 60% of corporates will be in sectors that, that sustain losses throughout the lockdown, despite uh, government intervention. Um, I think really the key to this, this question and the challenge for banks is understanding those corporates and those sectors that will remain viable post-crisis mm-hmm. to avoid the risk of uh, continuing to lend to effectively zombie firms that won't be able to sustain the crisis and and uh, and effectively repay the debt they will need to last them through the the period. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so in the paper, the first proposed action for banks is to create a credit war room. You know, what does this entail, and what role can it play in really dealing with this crisis-driven events? Yeah, so most banks have already established some form of credit credit room or control tower um, mm. and are using that to control the, the bank-wide response to the COVID crisis. Uh, they come in different, different shapes and sizes, but fundamentally um, navigating and coordinating the crisis response and really balancing the twin aims of providing credits to viable customers at the same time as protecting the bank's balance sheet. And those are two sometimes conflicting uh, aims that need careful uh, calibration uh, and coordination. What's critical here is that banks navigate the crisis with consistency. They're making consistent credit decisions and applying them uh, across the globe to treat their clients fairly, um, but, but also protect the bank's balance sheet and, and stay within their risk appetite. Um, there are a few areas within that, that that are important. The first is coordinating the credit policy and, and the way in which the bank makes credit decisions to ensure consistent and, and fair credit decisions, and approaches to treatment of collateral and forbearance and so on, as well as coordinating customer outreach, rolling out new customer channels and portals, uh, particularly for new government-backed schemes, and managing the interface with regulators and central banks. As I say, most banks have established those crisis response structures pretty well, and, and they're working and have been in place for, for a number of months now. Really, the challenge now is to shift gears and ensure that that credit response can be sustained over the medium term, um, over months, perhaps years. Uh, and that requires perhaps a more proactive approach to setting the overall balance sheet strategy and risk appetite, 
automating processes, you know, both credit decisioning as well as processing loans to get, get credit to customers quickly, and also uh, setting up workout teams and, and preparing to manage non-performing loans as they start to uh, emerge. Okay, and you touched on it a little bit there, um, but the next action that was proposed in the paper was around proactively engaging with customers. You know, what is your advice? What should relationship managers be doing now? Yeah, so relationship managers are already on the front line of this crisis from a banking perspective and are already working extraordinarily hard, um, reaching out to customers and, and helping them get access to credit quickly, uh, most of them working long hours and weekends to do so. However, I think, you know, across all of this, coordination is key. It needs to be a proactive outreach, delivering consistent messages mm -hmm. and making sure that the feedback from customers in terms of sector impact, how the crisis is affecting their business model is fed back into the bank so it can inform um, sector level impact and, and credit decisions, uh, as well as feedback on operational measures. And what we've seen in the UK, for example, is many customers were failing on eligibility criteria for, for some of the UK government-backed uh, lending schemes such as C-bills. Mm -hmm. um, that feedback has led now to better communication of that cr eligibility criteria as well as direct feedback to the UK Treasury, uh, which has led to improvements in those schemes. So, so that coordination is really important. I think secondly, it's about helping corporates and SMEs better understand manage and forecast their liquidity position, particularly those who don't have large professional finance departments with the, with the capabilities of doing that. So we're seeing a number of banks deploying their cash flow forecasting tools and their sophisticated scenarios to simply help their customers understand their own situation, you know, mm -hmm. ensure how much runway do they have to navigate, uh, navigate different scenarios uh, and which are the best options to them, both to reduce their costs via, for instance, furlough schemes, as well as access financing via different schemes. Excellent. Um, and then my next question is really around how can banks build a dynamic credit decisioning framework and what should be included? Yeah, so credit decisioning is fundamental to navigating this crisis. And the challenge here is that the data that is typically used to make credit decisions has mm. a time lag. And for many clients is based on prior year balance sheets and PL statements that are simply not valid assumptions to be making credit decisions on today under the current crisis. So our view and, and many of the leading banks are developing uh, stressed cash flow and liquidity models that assess the viability of corporates under a range of COVID-19 economic scenarios to determine whether extending more credit will see them through the crisis or if it's just lending to, to zombie firms that won't survive the crisis. And really that takes into account their starting point, um, their likely revenues and ability to reduce costs through uh, the lockdown period, um, and the depth of duration of lockdown, which will potentially be different for different sectors and therefore mm. the impact and the potential impact of repeated lockdowns in different markets will have quite idiosyncratic impacts on different sectors. And then finally, the, those models need to consider what the economics of the new normal period looks like post-lockdown. For many sectors, we don't expect them to return to 100% of capacity, at least in the medium term. Mm -hmm. So the economics and their ability to sustain um, the debt burden needs to be considered as part of that decision, ideally in an automated way that enables quick uh, and effective decisioning to get cash to those viable corporates quickly. Okay. Um... Obviously, things for the banks themselves have changed quite dramatically. 
How can banks best cope with their operational challenges? Yeah, so for, for banks and for their customers, this is not just a credit challenge, it's an mm. operational challenge. And the speed at which both liquidity has been needed by corporates, uh, but also the speed at which government lending schemes have been mobilized has required rapid mobilization of new processes and new ways of granting credit. Um, particularly for government-backed lending schemes, we've seen banks having to mobilize uh, new dedicated uh, online portals to, 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 to capture information and, um, and, and, and book the loans um, online, uh, as well as uh, looking to use pre-validation wherever possible to identify where they're willing to grant credit. Mm. Um, and using uh, APIs and robotics and other automation to automate data capture and straight through processing to reduce the time lag between um, a credit decision and actual disbursement of cash, which is really what matters for, for corporates. But finally, we're seeing a number of banks looking at reprioritizing their operational capacity away from less critical activities. That's both in their operation centers, but it's also looking at reprioritizing um, credit approver time on the most complex cases. So making greater use of automated credit decisioning where it makes sense and delegating more credit decisioning authority to relation, relationship managers themselves. Okay, and then in the paper, the final piece of advice um, is around you know, banks understanding the impact of the crisis on their existing loan portfolios. You know, how can banks best go about this? Yeah, so banks are already having to recognize material provisions. Mm. So provisions for bank CIB divisions in the first quarter were over eight times the level seen in Q1 2019. Now that does include the effects of introducing new accounting standards in both the US and Europe, mm. but it's of, in our view, that's the, that's the tip of the iceberg. Q, Q1 still uh, contains a period in which um, many, many markets were, were pre-lockdown. Um, Really, what's needed here is quite similar to um, what is required for, for considering credit extension for new lending, um, which is identifying stress sectors and clients, using early warning signals in, in the data, uh, as well as public data like credit default swaps and equity prices, uh, and, and expert judgment on top of that, to form a view as to the credit worthiness of existing clients and, and the credit extension and to feed them into provisioning models to recognize that accounting impact. Um, there is a large degree of uh, judgment in that, and we see that coming through the, the Q1 numbers in which European banks recognized uh, around, or the, the growth in provisions was around half the rate it was for US banks. Mm -hmm. um, at the same time as focusing on provisioning, banks will need to mobilize structures to manage distress situations that, that perhaps haven't been in, in much demand in recent years since the financial crisis. And that's workout units, restructuring teams and collections teams, both to support their clients and help them restructure through the crisis where needed, but, but to protect the bank's balance sheet. Well, excellent. Well, thank you so much for your insights, Ronan. And thanks to our audience for listening. Keep up to date by subscribing to our weekly podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Acast, and follow our discussions at thebanker.com slash podcast.